What's up? What's up? It's your boy Lita Johnson. I'm back. Miss y'all, man. Always miss y'all. Listen. Now, it's kind of crazy to me right now. I'm gonna talk about the playoffs real quick. Cause it's a lot going on with it. A lot of whining. But that happens. Sports. I mean, men, you know, we have our moments. You gotta listen to us. Now, let's talk about Golden State. I just want to get by that, that, that complaint. It's a rivalry, man. So, and there is favoritism going on. This happens. Is any of y'all surprised? Anybody? Anyone? I mean, you go to, you watch games and you see, you be like, man, this must be the hometown discount right now. These referees is just, they must have put on the jersey under they, under their uniform because it happens, right? So I don't really see what's going on or what's the problem. That right there is lost to me. So, um, when we talk, man, um, the, them boys is going to go at it. And, and those are the two teams right there who are going to go to the finals. One Whoever wins, the other team is headed to the finals. So, this is real, real. Like, they, everybody trying to plead their case. It's a fight. This is what happens. Toronto and Philly is one. You know, uh, Philly made they, they, they won. And they made their presence known. You look at Philadelphia 76ers, and the last game was big, you know. Um, back to the Rockets real quick. I just want to say, I think the Warriors are going to win that. It, it could go seven. You know, it's going to be a dogfight. I'm going to always call that type of matchup seven. Like I call it, unless I see the Warriors four to two. Now, um, I, I think the Rockets can. The Rockets got enough shooters. They, got enough, they play good defense. They got two stars plus Capella. You know, so you got other guys. I just think they can beat the Warriors. The Warriors have been off a little bit on their chemistry. They're not like, they're not as tight knit mentally as they usually be. So there's too many holes in their game. So, and, and to further explain what I'm talking about, um, I just feel like they can be beat by somebody in the West right now. I think Houston is their team. Now, if you want me to go to the Denver and Portland, Portland's going to fight tough, but I think Denver just has too much. I think they got too much. You know, a center like that, Jamal Murray is really being known more now in the playoffs because you didn't know how good he – people didn't really reckon the dudes. He's one of the best guards in basketball. Um, Gary Harris is one of the best scorers. You got Millsap. When pa Michael Porter Jr. comes back, that team's going to be something different. If he comes back and he's and, – and the reason why I'm riding high on it because look how Harry Giles came back. He really came back like, you know, to be like he's the number one draft pick. Harry Giles, they got Giles and Bagley over there, and that's a little bit unfair to have those two talents on the same squad to evolve. I don't think Giles – one of them is not going to be there. You know, soon either they trade it or they're just going to leave free agency. I think Harry Giles is a guy he can start for anybody in basketball right now and be a good power forward. He got the confidence. He got all the skills. And you look at Michael Porter Jr., he comes back with the skills he has, like a Kevin Durant type skills, can shoot, score, explosive. That team's going to be hard to beat. They're, they're going to be one of the teams to seat the Warriors. If Michael Porter Jr. comes back and he plays to his level that everybody's expecting, if he plays even 70% to that level, that's all-star. I mean, if he has 100%, that's, you know, you're looking at a guy that, you know, could come in, you know, it's going to be his rookie year next year. If he plays 100%, we're talking about rookie of the year, all-star that year. Not to say he won't be an all-star in the future, but 
he really has the potential to be something big if he comes right off like that Michael Porter Jr. without even just having a couple of years to evolve to that point. I think he can really, he'll be the best player bar none on their team, even over Jokic. So, um, and the Boston Celtics, and, and the Bucks, this is going to be a dog for, I don't think this year's Bucks is going to let them just, but the Celtics can beat them just, they're evenly matched. You know, Boston has a big man, Al Horford. Everybody forgets the X factor of that team. Kyrie's a Hall of Famer. You got Hayward is playing better now. You have to look at that team and kind of um. You got to be smart. I mean, you you cannot honestly think that this team wasn't ready to play. Like you know. But all that hype I told people about, all oh, Boston, this and that, I knew it. I just, they not, they, people get too hyped and they're riding with these waves, you know, and you're not looking at what Philly, even before the trades, Philly could evenly pair with them. All they had to do was, you know, they get experienced. I mean, shoot. Experience, yeah, you should see different stuff happen, but now they're even better. They're so loaded. And people are still, all the Boston Celtics, all the, all the Raptors, which brings me, uh, on that note, I, on that series, I'm kind of up in the air on that one. Who will win that series? That's the that's the only series where I'm like, oh, what's gonna happen? You know, I'm kind of like up in the air. But if I had to give an edge, um, I'm gonna give Boston the edge. But it's so hard. I want to say the Bucks. I'm gonna go with my. I'm gonna say the Bucks. If I had to give my edge because of who they got, they still they got a point guard. They got, you know, what I mean, they got players. They got Brook Lopez. They got players. It's so evenly matched, though. Talking about the Sixers, man. Let's get it. Let's get it. Man, are you crazy right now? I mean, seriously, are you crazy right now? I mean, the defense they played, you had to understand, the Sixers didn't shoot great. At all, they shot 39% from the field. The Raptors shot 36, though. The Raptors were 13 to 15 from the free throw line. The Sixers were 24-26. That, you know what that means? Sixers was getting physical. They was in their face playing defense, and they was getting physical. The Sixers shot 28% from three, 10 for 35. Raptors shot 10 threes, too, 27%. I mean, hey, this was a game where they it was chess, not checkers. I mean, whose defense is going to come out on top? Philly was clearly not far from the Raptors. Only thing the Raptors have is experience with each other. You bring Mark Gasol in, you know, that was it. You know, the guys you got playing, y'all had last year, you just put Kawhi in there. Whoa. And then you're looking at Philly. See, people don't understand how hard it is to get so many stars. They don't have stars. Siakam came with surprise. It was like, oh, let's use Siakam. And Lowry was already there, a point guard. He don't have to do too much but be a point guard. He ain't got to score. A point guard never has to score unless he is the scorer. You know, that's the only, you know, thing. But you get Kawhi coming in, everything flows a little different. And then y'all starting from the top of the year with the same group, the same key players. Philly playing, playing, you know, playing ball, playing good ball. Then Butler gets the trade. And everybody's like, oh, Philly's looking. Cr-. It was already like Philly's looking like a team that can go to the conference, go to the finals with Jimmy Butler. And then they make a, a, a bigger trade, which not only – 
brings Tobias, but you take guys from the bench like Wilson Chandler and uh, Landy Shamit was playing, and all these guys are gone, and you bring in Bobine, you bring in um, Tobias Bobine, then you, you you trade for James Ennis, then you trade for Jonathan Simmons. You put all these new pieces on the bench, and that's even harder to me than a starting five. A starting five get more time to run, you know. You bring a bench in, they have to go in with not only the starting five rotation, but, you know, people around the bench. I mean, it's just been trying to get used to each other. But the Philadelphia has a bench. And they have players. Like, I don't even get If you go back right now, look, every. I'm just going to say this, because I have a segment on that eventually. I have a segment where I'm going to talk about the bench. But let me go, let's go a couple of more playoff games, because I just want this to marinate out. And you look at what the bench did in the Brooklyn series. Who was key? Who played off the bench? That was good. Yeah, anybody remember? Okay. If you're a Sixer fan, you at, you let me know who was playing off the bench. Don't say Ennis wasn't because if Ennis don't score 50 or 12 points, Ennis plays good defense all the time. Now, some people might get past missing that, but he plays good defense. He has length. He has energy. You need that. Okay. Let's go back and look at people like Greg Monroe. Oh, he didn't play good. I'm just naming some people that people probably think didn't. Oh, Monroe, when you score five points, not when you get when you chip in points as a third center, that's big. So I'm just gonna leave that there. Those are two guys I can talk about right there off back that people might think, oh, they yes, they were great off the bench. You know, they weren't they weren't just super big with the points, but they gave you some points. They gave you some free throw attempts. They gave you rebounds. They gave you defense. So they, they both did score, but they don't score like Ennis does every game. Okay. Now, you can just go back to that series. Let's, and you can go back to the other games that we were just played and look at how many points the bench scored both of these games against the Raptors. And let's just go to this game. How about that one? Nine minutes from Jonah Bolden. All right, which was key. He came in there, he hit a trade ball. And play good defense. Man, his wingspan is crazy. All right. But Ennis was the man. I mean, from the jump, before Butler was like, he was, he set the tone the whole 13 points, six rebounds, two assists off the bench. Monroe had 10 points and five rebounds before he got hurt. Amaya Johnson comes in and he plays defense. You know, play, that's all you need a guy like that to do, play some defense. So you got Amir and Bolden came in and played defense, and then Bolden hits a three, a key three, when they needed it. And then you got Ennis and Monroe who scored for you. That's 26 points off the bench. That's two people off the bench with double figures who substituted for Harris and Simmons not scoring in double figures. It's, it's crazy. And then the defense, look, the Raptors had 89 points. They got shut down this game. And but they had shots, they did. Philadelphia, see, sometimes when people are not looking at what's not even or, or look at the film, it's like when people have open shots and miss them, some people are rocked. And the crazy part was Philly was hitting shots. They were hitting shots. They were scoring. They were getting rebounds and scoring. They were getting to the line. That's how Philly was scoring, transition, passing the ball. That's what they were scoring. But the thing is, the Rockets couldn't. They were so in a hurry because they were back so much that they were, they probably wasn't even, but it ain't no probably to it. Guys don't concentrate on these shots. They're trying to hurry up and hit these shots instead of being comfortable hitting these shots. They see Philly playing with energy. 
They running around. So when you get that shot, it's like you're not even really, you know, in the focus point to hit it because not only are you down, Philly is on you. So those open shots are not really open shots. In your mind, you're rushing this shot. You're hoping this shot go in. You're not even confident. And then in the fourth quarter is when you saw some confidence out of them. Philly still stay active. And they let Jimmy do Jimmy. People just stayed playing defense. If Embiid knew he couldn't do it, if Simmons knew he couldn't do it, if Tobias knew they played good defense. And it's good defense. Monroe was playing nice defense, decent defense. Amir Johnson came in, played his defense for three minutes. Bowen came in, played his defense. Reddick, listen, he's always, I know he's not great at all. We know that. He's a liability, but he played decent defense. He plays decent defense. Decent. Better than he's ever played. And his team defense, he, you know, he's a he's not a liability like that. But he's a liability, no doubt. He's not gonna be shut down anybody. But he's gonna when the team defense is doing good, he's in their face. When JJ Reddick is not one of your top two defenses or top three defensive guys, when he's just a guy out there being a body helping the team defense, hey, he's helping it out. He does it, he does his part. Because not only that, you're going to run out of breath chasing him around the basketball court all day. Now we come to this. Jimmy Butler had 30 points, 11 rebounds, and five assists. You got a Joel Embiid with 12 points, six rebounds, five assists. Tobias Harris, 9 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. J.J. Reddick had 11 points, and he was 2 for 8 from 3. I mean, just like the first game, right? Do y'all, what are they going to give Philly? They're going to give the Raptors that? Crazy part is, Philly wasn't shooting as good as the Raptors were shooting. And they still beat the Raptors. Uh, I mean, they came down to the clutch where the Raptors was playing better in the fourth. The Raptors outscored Philly 26 to 25. They outscored in 25, uh, 26-25 in the fourth quarter. They outscored Philly 25-18 to 18 in the third. That's 51-43 to 43 in the second half. And what happened was Philly still pulled the win out. The big thing is that Philly had such a big lead and the big cast off there, and, and they held them down. Like, the last five minutes of that game are the most important of that game to let you know who, what type of team Philly is. We're going to Philly now. So now, you know, the more games they play against a team, the better Philly gets. People need to be scared of this third. The Toronto Raptors fans need to be scared of this third game. Because now you're going to have Philly in the house. Meek Mill going to be in the house. Kevin Hart. We finna give them the business. All that mess they did the first game. You don't even know what you done started. You done, all the stars finna come out. All the stars about to come out in Philly. You might see Will up in there. Owner, by the by the way, you know what I mean, partial owner. The owner gonna be there, you know. Everybody, look, it's about to go down. And Philly is getting ready to get these two. I'm predicting these two games. Philly gets. They're one of the best teams in the NBA at home, and then they'll go back to Toronto and lose, and then they'll win it at home. They will close it out at home four games or two, but it could actually be one in Toronto. So, cause this is a this is gonna be a hard fought series. You boys, they fighters, but Philly, 
my thing is I, shame on people that like they just misclaim misdirect Philly like Philly just ain't that that, that squad. I mean, look who they have on their team. For people to fix their mouth and just unanimously say Toronto, I think Stephen A was the only analyst that was like, yeah, I, if Embiid is healthy, this team is watch out for him. Look at their lineup. How can you say the Warriors can't be beat and they and they got the best starting five in basketball and we got the second starting five, but we can't beat nobody because of the benches. The bench. How are you, Bobine? Listen, I will have a segment on this. Bobine. Mike Scott, James Ennis, all have been key players off the bench. You got three bench players. That's all you need to be a great bench. Three key players that can score in double figures. Ennis was a starter, all right? Now you got T.J. McConnell. People say, yeah, stop defensive liability. But everybody know he's a pesky, good point guard. You put him in there, he'll make an impact. Because you'll have four other players who are not liabilities. He just nodded like a dead butt. If he had like a three-point shot, you know, it, it, it'll make up. People looking at making up ground. That's why McConnell don't get the time he get because they know that they need people in there that's going to be able to score against the opposition and keep up defensively. And they, they need to have a, a certain point in the game where they feel like it's comfortable. That's how you know Shake Milton going to be a point guard soon. He going to be their point guard, man. He got the length. He's 6'5", and he can score. And I think I think it was a, it was a time that they probably would give McConnell a Extension, but I don't see that going down. I see Shake Milton. They they seeing it. I mean, the front office see. Oh, Shake Milton, this is time. Zaire Smith, he will be a bench. But these guys will be involved next year with this team. And whoever they get in the draft, probably go to G League first, and then boom, because they're gonna get some vets. Bring back Ennis. Bring back Bobine. You know, look at Bobine and Monroe. One of them two guys that bring bring back. And I see Bobine getting like a, you know, a, a one year deal. I see Ennis getting one. I see Scott getting one. I think you bring back those bench pieces to add to this bench. I mean, it's just as key as bringing back Jimmy Butler and uh, Tobias Harris. Bring them guys back for one-year contracts and let's play. You know, you got Jonah Bolton, who is another guy who, I, you know, I think is the back. I mean, you just got to start giving him time. And that's another thing. It might be Zaya Smith, Bolton. I think Zaya Smith is the backup shooting guard next year. No question. You bring back Ennis as a small four or Scott. Um, Jonathan Simmons is under contract for one more year. So what are they going to do with that? Just a lot of things. They, they'll have a bench next year coming in more than ever. Now, let's go. Let's go talk about RJ. RJ Hampton again, man. Well, he's been reclassified, man. So, to me, now, if we're looking at players, Anthony Edwards is not better than RJ Hampton. I've seen them both play this year. Anthony Edwards is a freak of nature. He's an unbelievable player. He has that confidence like Kevin Durant, but he's just a, you know, he got that Damian Lillard, uh, Kevin Durant confidence. But, you know, you know that meanness when he dunk on you, you know? The way he plays, he is a bad boy. Anthony Edwards is a bad boy. I mean, it's nothing. He is a bad boy. But RJ Hampton's just better, man. I mean, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at Cole Anthony. Look what he's done. I look at James Wise. Look what he's done. You look at RJ Hampton, man. I mean, what they want to say because they was playing against God. No, man, y'all can't mess with RJ. 
You put you put Cole right now. If if it's an RJ Hampton team, listen, Cole Anthony played against Nico, and Nico had thirty. What you think RJ gonna do? When Team World played against Team, um, in the Nike Hoop Summit, Team World and Team USA, Nico Anya had a, a a blizzard of a game against Cole, and Cole had a good one too. Just happened his team won. If it was the other way, it would be the same. RJ, light him up for like 40. RJ Hampton is something different. He's a monster. Because Nico Hampton was in the 2020 class. So let's know right there with guys like Nico coming from 2020. And Anthony Edwards coming from 2020. And they all still doing good. Anthony Edwards did a good job at the McDonald's game. So, and, 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 and RJ has raised his game since when he was rated below those two guys. Or, or you know, around where Nico was. Nico's the best point guard. Right now, RJ's a combo. He's not a point guard. He's different from Nico. Nico's a more of a decision maker. Um, he'll score. But RJ's a killer. Like, he's just going to dog the game. Like, if he's going to make a pass, he'll make a pass. Because what he's going to do is try to score on you every time, right? He's looking for the lane. But see, as RJ is looking for those lanes to cut, he knows when people come at him. And that's when he, you know, he'll make a pass. And he'll be like, all right, he'll come back down court. And he know people that's going to come to him. As soon as people look at him, he know he can make a pass. And they got to come to him because they're paying attention to him. He'll make a pass. And he's only making that because he know he's about to chop you up. Because now you're like, okay, RJ going to pass. What are he going to do now? Soon as you make a second guess, he's going right past you. That's it. It's just, he plays with people during the game. That's all he do. That's all he do. He play with you. This this is, I, I, I made a quote. I had a tweet. I said, what else do we need to see right now? I'm looking for the NBA level. He does it. It's, it's, it looks too easy. Everybody was amazed by Zion because he jumped and do these, you know, these vertical and all that. If it wasn't for that, it, but Zion still been the elite prospect that nobody would talk about like they did. Because the line, Zion do more than dunk. But if it wasn't for those dunks, we wouldn't be hearing about all this. That's what made Cassius Stanley stand out. He, he's with Duke now, so. He was already, they knew he could dunk already. Everybody knew that. But now with Duke, everything's going to get blown big now. And Iverson Classic, everybody, you know what I mean? Cassius, his name is said with an exclamation point now. But RJ's a different type of athlete. Now, like I told, you know, like I say, I'm, RJ can be number one in any draft class because of his talent. He can go 2020. Listen, RJ is a different type of monster. And now for him going to the 2020 draft, what you do is you um now you're comparing Cole Anthony, James Wiseman, and uh Anthony Edwards. Those are the guys that um you're looking at. And soon people will see what I'm talking about with Brian Antoine, man. It's just crazy. I always listen, y'all gonna start listening to the kid. Listen to the man. Say that over again. Listen to the man, man. Listen, Lita Johnson says that Brian Antoine will be a top 10 pick in, in conversation for top five. It's going to happen. Now, RJ Hampton, he's number one. If we're, see, recruiting is different from, recruiting is different from NBA, on NBA draft room, we have him number two in the 2020 class. But we said, if he reclassifies, it was already up in the air. I was already told by his pop that, you know, listen, man, he going to reclassify. It was just when they was waiting for it. I had, now I can say, I can say that now, you know, I ain't want to say it for sure. You know, I, he told me what to put out there, that he's leaning toward it. 
he didn't everybody, you know, they're going to ride with it. But, yeah, he was already on there. And now it was like, you know, what what is it can he can do? You know, what can he do? You know, his side basically was on something like, is he ready? And, you know, and RJ is ready for any draft class. You know, his side just wanted to know, was he ready? Was it good enough to do it? That that's that was the only thing. Was it, you know, it's Pop, that's my guy, man. We talk, we talk more than basketball, man. You know, good guy, fair guy, strong family. Shout out to his mom, um, Marquita Hampton, man. Um, just a good family. But that, they just wanted to make the right decision. And then at the same time, was like, what do we need this for? You know, it's ready for it. He's ready for it now. So, and RJ can be in any draft class, I'm telling you. And if we're looking at this draft class, who can light it up like he can do? Who has the length to play, be an elite player on both sides of the floor? He can pass the ball. He can rebound the ball. He can light you up. That's one thing. Look, look at, listen. Look at everybody, Anthony Edwards, Cole Anthony, James Wyman. Can they, can any of them guys score on you at will? Can they just light it up at will? No. Nah. Anthony Edwards is good. He's not RJ. And then he can pass the ball. He can, He's a triple-double threat. You look at how James Harden plays the game and his stat line. You know, give give him RJ's defense. And we're talking about the best player next to you can at Durant. Only thing stopping Harden from being better than LeBron James' defense. If he turned into a defender, then Durant, we wouldn't even be having this conversation about Durant right now being the second best player if he had RJ Hampton's defense. And they're like, how can you compare him to a guy that age? RJ Hampton got defense. He played better than James Harden. All right, this is a tough dude. And Texas Tech enters the top four. You know, it's still Kansas, Duke, still Memphis. But Texas Tech enters the top four. You know, and um, Jamie is Ramsey. Jamie is Ramsey. That's the big name on Texas Tech. It's all about lineups, man. You I mean, he wants the ball, and you know he'll get the ball in Texas Tech. That's not even a question. <laughs> the, the world is his. He's a Texas kid, too. You bringing him home. The ball is his. And then you put Jamie Ramsey there. Woo. Oh, my God. Jamie Ramsey is another one of the underrated guys like DJ Carton or Josh Pierre-Lewis that we see in the country. Um, he can get down. And Jamie's Ramsey just as good as any of the top 10 guys. Now, I put my money on it. You put him in the game, you're going to know he's there. So, you got him. RJ RJ could possibly be the point guard at that. You know, he's a combo guard. And, and being that, if you got a guy, you know, that is nowhere near as good, but a little bit, RJ could be the point guard and run the point and have a ball in his hand and get people involved in that type of atmosphere. It just depends on the lineup. But either way, he's going to be in the pack court with Jamie's Ramsey. Jamie's Ramsey is going to get on the floor. So that's a big thing for Texas Tech right there. And they enter, the, they, they take TCU out of it. Dang, right like that. Chop, no TCU. <laughs> just like that. But who still looks like the people? It's Kansas and uh, Memphis, man. I'm just telling y'all right now. It's just looking like Kansas and Memphis right now. Don't, don't look at Duke like, oh, it's Duke. No, they're not. They don't have the lead. They don't have it. Memphis is there because they've all, they, they came in. Um, Jalen and, and Jalen Green and RJ Hampton are still best friends. Um, they own the Unicorn Fam, and after they came for they came for Jalen, and then they came for RJ, and that's like you know. Then you're looking at RJ in 2019. Will he go over there with an unbelievable unit, which could give pressures in there 
Precious Atia was real soon, could be on that team. So, you know, and then Lester. So if those two guys commit, I'm telling you, just, just, just work with me a little bit, y'all. Just, just look at the Kansas and Memphis, Memphis. These are the two back and forth teams, I think, in my opinion. Let me stop playing, man. I know for sure that Kansas and Memphis are the two leaders of this bunch. Okay? Gosh, I just tried to, you know, fall back. But I just know that these two guys, you know, doing my due diligence and doing my leader Johnson, you know, due diligence, doing my homework, I know for sure Kansas and Memphis are the two guys and who would I say would be the leaders? If I had to go anybody, Memphis got the floor. It's really Memphis's, and it's not even by a wide margin. It's not like that they got this unbelievable, they just got the, they got that, they just got the, but Kansas is right there. I mean, if you really look at it, I'm just giving Memphis the big hole because they got two cards they can play that could bring RJ to a hmm, more than he's a hmm for Kansas. Now, Kansas is going after Johnny Juzang. Pay attention to that one. And then before Johnny Juzang came, Memphis was a big, big, big fit. You know, that, that camp loves Bill Self and how he teaches kids. So that's the big thing there, Bill Self. And Johnny Juzang, hey, that would add another piece like, oh, you know. So it's like, but Memphis, you would give them that. You just, Memphis has two cards that they can they can play if they get them. If they if they go fishing and they get these two fish, believe me, RJ is looking way more. Listen, I'm not going to say it's a sign sealed delivered, but you're like, okay, Memphis, play ball, which y'all got. So if they can get Johnny before anybody commits to Memphis, that could that could play a part, and then the relationship builds. That's just going to be. A, I'm telling you, Duke will have to let. Listen, Duke is too. Duke is there, but they're too too stacked. Kansas, Cassius Stanley, and Boogie Ellis. Trey Jones, it kind of put Duke, Duke, my, in Kentucky, you don't see Kentucky. You don't see Kentucky, right? Okay, I was trying to tell people, don't even look at Kentucky. Don't even look at Kentucky. I was trying to tell people that look, Kentucky's, sorry. Especially when Ashton, when Ashton Higgins came back, it really hit him up. Then Trey Jones was already like, oh, Trey came back. You know, will he get the ball like he need to get the ball? But then you get Cash and Stanley. Because, you know, Boogie's not a one and done. So, with a chance that he'll fall back and you got Boogie back there. And then here comes RJ. You just got to look at this team and look, look, RJ wants to be on the team. Focal point type status. And Kansas, with, with Quentin Grimes not coming back, gives RJ that point with the, the, him and the relationship with Devon Dotson's growing. So that's that's big there. And Memphis is just the relationship is just big, period. Unicorn fam James Wiseman is there. You know, the relationship is built. So, you know, they're just sitting back, really. They're having fun. He's doing his EYBL thing with Drive Nation. He's playing, showing why he is the best. Now, as you see him playing the EYBL season, now things are gonna get different. And watch, Evan and them. Evan Daniel, all them guys that, that Corey, Evans, all them guys that do, they're, they're going to be scared to put RJ at number one because they've been riding with Wiseman and Anthony for so long. Then Edwards came up and he was like number one. But as you can see, though, they, they were right on that point. Corey, Anthony, and Wiseman, it's nothing that really separates them too much in being the best 
you know, Cole Anthony and Wiseman can still be one and two now. You know, you look, I used to look at when he came in there, it was Edwards, but how Edwards was playing was good. But Cole Anthony and Wiseman look still great, you know, enough to be one or two. But RJ, it, it's kissed the game goodbye. And it's a new class. Now it's a new set of eyes looking at you because now it's NBA. It's NBA now. It's NBA. Like, you're going to play college, but NBA is looking at you. That's what that all this is for the NBA. Because your class is after 2019 and people are always looking forward class as they're looking at the current class. Because the current class is coming out now. Everybody's looking at the combines, they're waiting for that. They've seen them play in college. They've already seen their auditions. Now they're just waiting for combines. Now they're looking forward to the 2020 class by looking in high school. Now that's what we all looking for. All the analysts, we all looking at scouts are doing the same thing. We are looking at the 2020 class. And RJ is right there. You're looking at Cole and RJ right there. I agree with it wholeheartedly. As good as James Wyman is, RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony are the two guys you are looking at. That, and I feel RJ, is he NBA ready to step on the NBA floor right now? Damn near. Damn near. Damn near. Like, if you want to, if you really want to, you know, talk about that damn near. All right, no, no doubt about it. Um, if we talk about two teams, I want to Duke is a team that um, Duke is a team that can play um, so many ways now, and they always try to get it really stacked. Anybody ever recognize it? Like, Duke really tries to get stacked. Like, now, they wasn't like that at first. They get a couple of guys. Now they're trying to, you know, they over Kentucky. Kentucky used to be their school. Is Cassius a five-star? He's a high four to a five-star. You can make him a five-star, no no question. I think that's a no question. Now, look at this team now. And you look at what Duke got. And they get Matthew hurt, which is going to hurt people. And they're not even looking at that. Nobody's looking at that. You got Vernon Carey and Hurt. Both guys can shoot from three. You know, they got the same d- d- type of dimension they had with Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley. They both had three-point shots, but these guys really shoot them. 6'10", 9", and 6'10". Wendell Moore at the small forward position. I, I think he's coming right in playing. Um, looking at point guard, you got Trey, Trey Jones, and you'll have Cassius Stanley with Boogie Ellis doing a, a, a rotation, doing that three-guard rotation. But you go to the other class, and you see who's not playing. You got Joey Baker. That's one guy. I mean, me and one of my guys, we was talking about um, – you talking about Joey Baker. He's a guy that's 6'7", 190, backing up a small forward. Everybody going to forget about him coming off the bench. Must be crazy. Absolutely mad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, it's going to be something, man. It's going to be something to see these guys play. And – uh do I just feel like Cash? Who starts between Boogie and Cassius? That was always a conversation. Who starts between Joey and Wendell? I think Wendell's going to start. Alex O'Connell, he's there. Jordan Goldwire, he's there. These are guys we forget about. Um, if I had to be super honest. 
And I had to look at people like Tyrese Maxey for Kentucky. Now, I'm trying to judge out the Kentucky team and see how good are they. Then Duke, this is the whole. I already know this is the whole thing. Who's better between Kentucky or Duke? It's like it don't even matter with other teams, huh? Well, anyway, everybody know that ain't true. But we're going with Kentucky and Duke. And Kentucky and Duke, you come with Tyrese Maxey, Keon Brooks, Dante Allen, Khalil Whitney. Nate Sestina comes in. They get a center. They get a guy that can come in. Now, the crazy part is Khalil Whitney's going to start, no doubt, and so is Keon, man. Tyrese Maxey, Dante Allen. You got Ashton Hagens coming in. You got to remember that you know, Duke always recruits backup, so it's always some backup five-stars like Alabama, right? They always got backup five-stars. It was two key guys that came in last year that was recruited by Duke that people forget about. Two key guys. Emmanuel Quigley, that's one. That's one guy, Emmanuel Quigley. And, and E.J. Montgomery. These are two guys that you come in. I think Montgomery starts. You got Khalil Whitney. Then you got Keon Brooks. But they always say soup. And the crazy part is, when you're looking now, is it going to be Tyrese Maxey and Ashton Higgins? Are y'all going to take Quigley? I guess Quigley comes in as the backup point guard. And you can't ignore the team they got. You can't ignore the team that, that they bring in. You just can't ignore that team. Jamiro Baker, another guy that came in, and Nick Richards is still there. I mean, they still got a group of guys on this team. How are they going to fix this lineup? Is Baker going to be a shooting guard? I mean, EJ Montgomery and Baker deserve it. Wouldn't you think they deserve? But no, it's gonna be Tyrese Maxey. He's the he's the prize guy. So Baker and Quigley gonna come off the bench. I think EJ Montgomery starts a power forward. They don't have a true power forward there. It's just a different, you know, different scenario. And this is because I don't know their line. I don't know how they flex their line though. But this is what I'm guessing. EJ Montgomery comes in at power forward. You got Keon backing up. He plays with power, no doubt. E.J. Montgomery is 6'10", 200. So you bring in him, you have to have that size. Sustainer, they, they get size with him at 6'9". Who starts at center? Nick Richards. That's easy. Everybody else comes in as depth. They got all, I mean, Kentucky is super deep. They are deep. There's no way they were they had any chance of getting R.J. Hampton. And what you going to do then? You going to tell Higgins he ain't going to play? Because somebody going to sit on the bench. Anybody who's up for R.J. Hampton is offering him a starting spot. Believe that, okay? I'm just telling you, believe that. And they've already told him, yes, he'll get the ball. I mean, I'm telling you, believe that. All right, y'all, listen, I just want to give y'all a couple of Holler at y'all real quick. I know the RJ Hampton thing, you know, that's big. I always try to keep y'all tuned up on the RJ Hampton situation. Just want to give y'all a little something, a little episode of Folly that I um, could open up tonight, talk about some things. Um, 
always, sometimes I get right on air when it's time to get on air. I had to when RJ had his top four. It's time to get in, y'all. Listen, man, I will next follow leader. Until next time, follow the leader.